We're glad you're here today at the Grove. Welcome. My name is Eric Matoya, pastor of the Grove. When I first saw those videos, my, um, my heart grew bigger to the whole world because I began to realize there are so many more people exactly like me. Uh, we're, we're closer than we, when we, when we think than we realize. Uh, so we're going to jump into the part uh, three of our series called We Were All Blank. And uh, we start off with these videos every single week. So before we start, I just want to say welcome to all those listening to podcasts. Welcome to those watching Facebook Live. And uh, welcome to everybody in the theater today. We're glad you're here. Uh, this series has been uh, so much fun for me to do. Uh, I, I've been, I'm enjoying it, and now I'm learning and growing. And I hope it's challenging you guys just to, to be a little more aware of the people around you, maybe what they're facing, what they're going through. As a nation, we need more than ever for people to be empathetic, to say, you know, I don't understand everything you're feeling, uh, but you're still uh, human. In some, way, some ways, you probably were probably related down the, down the line somewhere. And uh, just to be open to that so we can, we can uh, love others and care for others in, in this way. Um, so if you're, if you're new to the church, here's the, here's the heart for our church. We want to connect people that have no idea what church is about. Maybe they've left a long time. Maybe you left a long time ago. Maybe you're just coming back. Um, one of the tendencies we have when we come to church is to think that everybody around us has it together and we're the only one that has issues. We're the only one that has things going on and everybody else must, must, must be perfect. Uh, that's not true. In fact, the reason we're here is because we can identify and understand that we're not perfect and we need help. And we want to start our week off by inviting God just to help us. That's why we come. We gather. So it's a place of a lot of people who are not perfect who gather to, to learn from a perfect God who says, I have good plans for your life. And so if you're here, we want to just say we're, we're glad you're here. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're here and you don't, you don't think you have an issue, um, I, I, would, I would challenge you to say that's your issue and we want to help you with that uh, because we all have issues and uh, it's called denial. Um, and so uh, this is series is really about identifying issues that we all have uh, so that we can begin to heal and move past those issues. So here's, here's the heart behind our, our, the series that we're doing called We Are All Blank. The heart is this. When we can begin to see ourselves as we truly are, we will begin to see others as they truly are. Like we can begin to see like, oh, there's issues, there's brokenness, there's things in my life uh, that, I, that aren't perfect. Well, when we understand that, we, we have a little more compassion and grace for others. When we recognize in ourselves things that don't work, we tend to have grace for others for when their things don't work in their lives. And so part one, we'll just do a little bit of review. Part one, we said we are all crazy. That was the first blank that we filled in. We're all crazy. That was the first issue. We said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. We gave you a bracelet that uh, says, uh, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. We encourage you to have some new thoughts and some new ways of thinking about life. Um, so I hope you've been encouraged. If you missed that, go listen to it. It's a great message. Um, but but essentially, essentially, we want to stop being crazy and learn to have a new thought and follow Christ and follow God in this new thought pattern and new way of living. Uh, last week, part two, we said we were all broken. We talked about brokenness and how we're all in need of healing because there's hurts and wounds in every one of our lives. And uh, if, 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 if we're ever going to move beyond that, we have to identify that and, and, and let God work in our lives. And we said if we hide the wounds and the hurts, it actually only slows down the healing process. Uh, hiding your pain doesn't heal it faster. It actually slows down the process of being healed. And a lot of times it can make it worse. And so we're, we're trying to say as a community, let's just be open and honest and let's, let's share with others these things that we have going on in our lives so we can move forward and learn and grow. Uh, because we can only grow, and here's the other part I talked about when it comes to brokenness and pain, is we can, we, we can only grow to our potential. We can grow to our potential or we can grow to our pain threshold. Um, and our pain threshold is always going to keep us from our potential. And so the idea is we need to push through that. And part of that, of, of, of um, acknowledging that issue is painful. Uh, but until you can acknowledge it, you can't push that pain to be able to reach your potential. So uh, if you're going to grow to your potential, you have to increase your pain tolerance. 
Uh, we know the saying, no pain, no gain. You have to learn to say, all right, it's painful, it's hard to address, but I'm going to address it so I can move on, I can grow, I can heal, I can move forward. Uh, we said this about healing, that we tend to look to the wrong things for healing. So people find themselves addicted to things, things chasing all these different things in life um, because they focus on the wrong thing for healing. And what happens when we do that is when we gravitate to something to try to fill that, that, that hurt or that, that wound, um, we, we tend to make that the problem and we let the real problem go to the side and we ignore it and so the problem is no longer the problem now we have all these other problems that come with it and so we talked about last week if you don't learn to address those issues and those hurts you will focus on the wrong things and you'll be you'll be so frustrated in life because you're trying to deal with all these different issues but really it's a deeper issue that you have to deal with so how you're responding um is it becomes the problem not the problem itself so we don't learn to learn that and then we close by saying um, the thing we really want to talk about last week was hope. The reason God wants us to overcome because it produces hope. And we said that the biblical definition of hope is the expectation of good, not wishful thinking that we sometimes define hope, define hope as in our culture. But the biblical definition of hope is the expectation of good, that God wants us to push through hurts and pains so that we can produce hope in our life and we can give hope to those around us when we, we make it through it. And uh, for this series, we said this. We said if you can't name the issue, you won't be able to solve it. Uh, unnamed issues go unsolved, all right? If you, you can't begin to work on any issues until you acknowledge there is an issue. And that's what we're going through the series, to be able to help you identify and say, hey, you have issues, I have issues, we all have issues. And let's, let's learn to identify those and get people in our lives that we can work through and work on those things so we could become healthy because we want to be healthy people. So today, I'm excited for this. This is part three of We Are All Blank. And part, part three is going to talk about what we are all control freaks, all right? If you laugh nervously, you are probably a control freak. Like, oh no, he's going to talk about me. Yes, I am. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be good. We're going to talk about um, what it means to be a control freak and try to control things all the time all around us. Um, and we can't solve the issue unless we understand what it is. And so we're going to kind of walk through it and uh, we'll talk about why it's so important to understand this, the issue. Here's the thing when it comes to being a control freak. Um, if, if you miss what I'm going to talk about today, here's what you potentially could miss. If you, if you, if you check out too soon, if you think it's not for me, uh, just hang in a little bit because I guarantee um, it, there's going to be something that's going to challenge you to say, all right, I, I, can, I can learn from this. Um, and so uh, here, here's what's at stake if you miss it, all right? If you don't learn how to, how to either work with control freaks or learn to, to work around your tendencies to try to control everything, you can, you can do a few things. One, uh, you can ruin relationships, all right? Um, you will you will you you will ruin relationships because you don't know how to manage those and you try to control people and we'll talk about why that's why that happens. Um, you will you will live with more regret um, if you try to control everything and the reason is because uh, control freaks t- tend uh, typically like to focus on doing things right like they want to get things right that's why they're trying to control everything because they have a certain way they want their way. Well, it's possible to focus and try to do things right but not do the right things. And if you get stuck in your life always trying to do everything right, it's, the potential is that you miss out on doing the right thing. And so you spend all your time trying to perfect things where 10 years, 15 down the, down, years down the road, you're going to look back and say, I was focused on the wrong thing. That really wasn't important. Uh, a good example of this is um, parenting. You know, I'm, I'm well aware of parenting because um, my kids are growing up fast. Well, I could focus on doing all these things right. I could focus on doing the Grove right every single day to the neglect of being the right dad and, to, to my kids. Um, and if I do that, man, we might have a great church, might have great things happening. But one day I'll wake up and realize I was focused on the wrong thing and I'll live with regret because I focused on the wrong thing. I'll wake up and realize it's too late to do the wrong thing. Too much time has passed. 
And so if we don't learn this, we could potentially miss out on, on what God wants to do in our lives and through us. And then the, third, the other thing is, is if you miss out on this is the potential in your life and the potential of other people's lives. Control freaks don't like people to do things wrong because they want it done right. Well, part of growing and learning and improving is actually letting people fail. And it's okay when people fail because that's how they learn. My kids need to fail sometimes because that's how they're going to learn. Well, if, if I'm a really extreme control freak, I don't want anybody to fail around me. I don't want anything to go wrong. So we try to control everything. Well, in that, we miss out on the potential of people around us and even our own potential of, of working with more people in our lives. And we end up doing it ourselves. In fact, that's one of the mottos is, of a control freak is if you want it done right, you've got to do it yourself. Uh, if you say that a lot, you probably are a bona fide control freak. All right? So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Um, the other thing is health. Um, what? <laughs> all right. There's some nervous laughter over here. I'm going to try to avoid that section, all right? Um, the other thing with this, if you, it, health is also an issue with control freaks, all right? There is, there is heart disease that's attached to type A personalities who are always driven. Um, so learning to control this and learning to manage this in your life is actually going to be healthy, help you live longer. And, uh, and, and be healthier. So there's a lot of benefits to it. And really, I just want to say don't miss this because it's really good. Um, in my life, I didn't realize how much of a control freak I was until I began to prepare this. I read a great book. It's going to surprise you. This is The book is called The Control Freak all right, by Dr. Les Perot. Great book. I learned so much from it. And in it, I began to realize like I have these tendencies in my life. Uh, but here's the thing that we have. Everybody in this room, you're going to fall in two categories right away. You're like, okay, I'm not a control freak or um, I am a control freak. And whatever that... That might mean an extreme control freak or a little bit of control freak, or you see yourself as like, I'm not. Well, you're going to deal with people who are, um, but I can guarantee that all of us is to some extent like control of certain things in our life. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because having control, studies show actually lead to happiness. Um, but there's a downside to it also. Um, if, if you spend too much time on that, there's a, a negative correlation to um, happiness being taken away when things don't work out because now you're trying to f- force something that might not ever be. Uh, so we're trying to control things we can't. Uh, I guess essentially we can say it like this. We spend so much energy trying to control things that we can't that we neglect to control the things that we can. So today we're going to talk about what are those things that we can and that we should control, and let's start pushing other stuff off away to, to not drive us crazy. Uh, when it comes to identifying things in our lives, here's, here's the truth, right? And the reason we're doing this series is because we want to begin to see what, what we have going on because it's easy to point out other people's uh, issues, in fact, it's, I heard a, a saying this week. It was great. He said, he, the guy said, we are good lawyers when it comes to our own issues, but we're great, very good judges when it comes to issues of others. You can substitute that with um, mistakes when it comes to the mistake, our mistakes or our errors or our weakness or our sin. Like we are great lawyers when it comes to our stuff, our junk. But when it comes to others, we become the judge like, oh, no, you know that you shouldn't be like that. But for me, it's like, well, that's not that bad, right? Like, I'm not, I, and we, we begin to advocate for ourselves like it's not a big deal. But for others, it's a really big deal. Um, Jesus had this teaching where he said, um, why are you focused on the speck in your brother's eye? Like, if your brother has a, a, a something in their eye, like a little speck, like, don't focus on the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log or a plank in your own eye. Like, take care of the log first, and then God will let you help other people that have issues. He's saying, focus on yourself. Focus on the person who is the most difficult to see is kind of the idea. That's ourselves. Today, that's what we're going to try to do is focus on ourselves. So when you hear these, these, these ideas, even though you might be tempted to say, well, that's, yeah, that's my boss or that's my, my, my spouse or that's my kids or whatever it is, whatever comes to your mind, push that tendency that, 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 um, away from you a little bit to say, all right, in, in this, what is the thing that I'm supposed to work on and deal with? So let's define a control freak. All right, control freaks are people 
who care more than you do about something, and they won't stop being pushy to get their way. Um, it's, it's a person who attempts to dictate everything, how everything is done around them. It's a control freak. They want to control everything around them. And there's, there's a wide spectrum of this. We could fall in just a little bit or a lot of control, but that's what it is. People who care more about something than, than we do, and they, they make their voice known. Here's some words that are associated with control freaks, all right? Uh, obnoxious, tenacious in a bad sense, uh, invasive, obsessive, perfectionistic, critical, irritable, demanding, rigid, close-minded, and controlling. And we could probably add some more that will go with it. You notice those aren't all the best kind of things you want associated with you, right, in life. But we tend to, to realize that when we try to control things, this is how we come across to people. Um, this is how control freaks come across. It's, it's somebody who's trying to control everything around them all the time. It's kind of like the person says, well, I'm, not a, I'm a control freak. When I don't have control, I freak. Like, I'm, 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 I go crazy. Um, but here's the thing. When we try to control others, we actually foster and create an environment of conflict. So trying to control others, it fosters conflict in our life. When you try to control others, you're going to foster conflict, even with good intentions. Like, if you understand, like, this person really needs to change things in their life, and you have good intentions, you're going to create uh, an environment of conflict. Sometimes that's good, but most of the time that's it's usually bad. Why? Because when we try to control others, we fail to acknowledge or see them as individuals. We only can see them as an extension of ourselves. Like, this is going to reflect, reflect poorly on me. This is going to be, it's, it's my life. It's all about me. And we, we tend to, to, to um, we fail to acknowledge that people are their own people. My kids are their own kids. Uh, yeah, they represent me, and they're, they're part of my family. But to an extent, they are still an individual that need to work through things and work on. Um, control freaks, when they try to control things and, and grab on. I heard a great story about this uh, reporter. His, his boss comes in, the editor comes in and says, there's a fire downtown, the building's burning. Uh, you need to go get, get a really good picture. This will be on the front page tomorrow morning. Spare no expense. Whatever it takes to get that perfect picture, go do it. So the reporter is like, you know, control freak type, type of personality, jumps in, in the vehicle uh, he said, no expense. All right, let's get to the airport. He gets to the airport. Uh, he, as he pulls in, he, he notices there's an airplane on the, on the runway ready to go. So he, he's like, you know, we've got to get this done fast. The fire's going. I've got to get there. He jumps, in, he jumps on, on the runway, jumps in the airplane, and says, come on, we've got to go. We've got to go. Let's go, go. And so the guy in the seat, you know, freaks out like probably all would, like, all right, let's go, let's go. So he, so he takes off and gets in the air. Uh, while he's in the air, he's like, we need to go downtown. I need to, I, I'm, I'm a reporter for the newspaper. I need to capture this perfect picture for the, page, for the newspapers and go to the front page tomorrow. Uh, make sure you help me to get there. And the guy looks at him and says, what? You're not the instructor? <laughs> when we try to control things, we get ourselves into situations like that, messes where we're now flying around in the middle of the air without the person who knows how to do the things that's going to help us to survive and live. That's what typically happens to control freaks. We try to control things so much that eventually we, we don't always factor in all the details of what could come of this, and it, messes up, it can mess it up. Part of, um, I think, why we're going to get to the deeper issues of what, what happens when we're trying to control things, uh, but one of the things that happens a lot of times is when we have expectations for something, all right, and, and the reality of, of what's happening is less than, we, we want to try to eliminate that and move that. Uh, when I do marriage premarital counseling, I talk about the frust- frustration gap. And so I talk to couples, you know, there's going to be the expectations that you have for your, for your spouse, and it's going to be here. And what they do is they're going to, do, they're going to come in here. Um, I'll give you an example. This is the best example I use. I think it's the best example. Uh, they, they surveyed couples that were getting married, and they said, all right, you're, you're newlyweds. Um, they asked us, the husband, how many, time, how many times a week do you think you'll have sex as a couple? And the husband's answer was, somebody help me? 
Seven times. And he asked the, the lady, how many times are you going to have as a couple, newlywed couple, are you going to have it? And the answer was uh, two times, something like that, one or two times. Um, and so if the expectation's here for the guy and her reality's here, there's going to be a big frustration gap there, right? So, so if it's closer, there's not that much frustration. So we can, we can compare that to anything in life. If your expectation is here and the reality is here, that's how much frustration you have. So when we're expecting people around us to be up here and they're only down here, we have a lot of frustration in our life and we want to try to close that gap. And what happens is it can, it can uh, make us go crazy because we're always frustrated. So we're going to talk a little about that. What does it look like to have, first of all, the realistic expectations of others um, in our life so that they can actually be attained and get to a place where our reality, our expectation are right there so we're not frustrated and we're going to talk about what it looks like if we do something even more than that. So expectation, reality, if it's close, a little bit of frustration. Um, expectation's high, reality is low, there's a lot of frustration. So if you have frustration in your life, I would go back and say, what am I expecting and why am I expecting that? And then how can I remedy this and begin to work so that I'm not frustrated with, with relationships, with whatever it is that you're in life that you're looking for? Um, Dr. Lespro, he says it like this when it comes to control, all right? He says in his book, um, he said, let me say it simply. The soul of control is fueled by anxiety, and it's nurtured by feelings of extreme vulnerability and a fragile self-confidence. So people that control, there's something that's under there that's really causing all this. And he's saying anxiety is what fuels control. When we become anxious, anxiety is a feeling of worry. It's a nervousness. It's an uneasiness about something that's going to happen or something that, that potentially could, an outcome that could happen. And people get really anxious about that, and the anxiety begins to raise up, that level of anxiety raise up, and people, it causes us to try to control things because we're out of, we feel like we're out of control, and we, we need to get, get things under, under control so we can not freak out and, not, and survive. So he's saying it's, it's fueled by anxiety. And then these other things go along with it, vulnerability and fat, fragile self-confidence. It, it only makes it even more, more uh, difficult to manage. Um, but here's the thing when it comes to control. If you're fighting for control in your way all the time, it's going to lead to distance between you and God, and it's going to lead between distance between you and others. We see the story of Adam and Eve right in the beginning of the garden. God is saying, I have this way that I want you to live. Um, you, you have free will. You have a choice to make your choices. Um, but if you follow my way, you're going to live a great life. You're going to do really good. Just don't eat this one tree. Um, and Adam and Eve, they, try to, they, they yank the control from God and say, no, we want to do it our way. And, and the Bible says they, they, they separated themselves from God. There was distance that was created between them and God. And eventually it brought distance between the, the husband and the wife. Because when we try to control, make our, our own way, it leads to distance between us and others. And the reality is they thought they were gaining freedom by choosing that for themselves. But the reality is true freedom is, is being able to choose to trust the one who knows better than us. That's true freedom. It's, it's being able to trust that somebody else knows something more than we do. And we're going to trust them for the journey. We're going to trust them for what the next steps. That's true freedom. And that's what God is inviting us into. He's saying, find true freedom in me by trusting me for something better than you ever thought possible. Matthew 11, Jesus, uh, he, he's telling, uh, talking to people uh, and helping them understand the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 11, 28, 30, he says this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I'm gentle of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, Psalms 23, one of the famous, most famous um, um, 
passages in, 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 the, New, in the Bible is uh, the Lord is our shepherd. This idea that when God leads us, he's going to lead us by, by, by streams that refresh us and that gives us peace. And even when we go through difficult times, he's there leading us and helping us. That's what, God, what he's saying here is when you, when you try to carry the weight of something that you're never intended to carry, it will crush you. And control freaks are always trying to carry more weight than they should because they're trying to control things that they can't control. It's an illusion. It's only an idea of being able to control, and it only gives us the sense of that. But really, we're, we're trying to accomplish something that we were never made to accomplish. I like the, mass, the message translation of this verse. It says it like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, I think that's a great invitation from a loving God that says, if you will follow me, I will help you to be able to accomplish things that you only can dream of accomplishing in your life. And it's going to be, there's going to be more peace in your life. There'll be more freedom in your life if you'll learn to trust me with those things. It's learning to let those anxieties say, God, I can't do anything with this. Would you help me with it? And we turn it over to him, and we let him, let him have it. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, if you will seek him first, all the other things that we worry about will be taken care of. If you put him first, this is why Sundays are so important. We start off our week by saying, God, you were first in my life. I want to start my week off by saying, help me with this week. And we set the tone for the whole week by saying, I put you first. And the rest of the week, God is saying, I want to work with you and help you as you go through this. Prayer and and reading your Bible is important on a daily basis because you set the tone for your day by saying, God, I invite you to lead me in this. I want to follow your, your way. Um, so s- control freaks want control everything everything around them. The Bible says we should we should focus on things that we can control, and the one thing that we can control is ourselves. In fact, the the, the what the Bible talks about is, is self control. Um, it's one of the, it's it's part of the fruit of the spirit. So it's something that God wants to produce in us is self control, and this is the definition of it. I love it. Self control is the ability to hold ourselves in. It's the ability to hold myself in. When I'm irritated, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Instead of exploding, it's this idea that, you know what, I can, I can wait a little bit. I can, I can hold this in because God wants to produce something in it by not trying to force my way all the time. Self-control is saying I'm going to hold myself in even when I'm freaking out at the moment because things aren't going the way I want to. That's the one thing we can control is ourself. And God invites us to, for him to help us in that so he can lead us on this journey to learn how to control the things that we can control. Because um, here's the thing with, well, let me tell a story and then I'm going to read that quote. Um, there was a, a study they did, a research study they did um, with four-year-olds, right? They got these four-year-olds and they, they, they brought them into this, this, this conference room and they, one, by, one at a time with, with one instructor and one, one four-year-old. And they said, here's a marshmallow. Would you hold this for us, all right? And we're going to come back in a little while. If you, can, if you can wait, you'll get this marshmallow plus we'll give you another marshmallow. So you'll get two marshmallows if you can just wait for a little while. And so they would go out, and the, the cameras are recording, you know, it's these kids. And so as soon as they leave, some kids, like, bam, mush, marshmallow, you know, and it's done. It's over. And then other kids, you know, they would, like, be singing and trying to figure out ways to distract themselves. And other kids, 15 minutes passes, 20 minutes pass. And the instructor comes back in and says, hey, you still have the marshmallow. Good job. Here's the second one. And now they have two marshmallows, and they can enjoy both of them. And this was the point of the study. Was it, they were trying to figure out about, about human nature and about kids. Uh, but they did a second study with all these kids in their adolescence. And this is what they found. The kids that can defer gratification were, were more confident. 
they did better in their SAT scores. Um, they were they were able to uh, there's all these different things that they just did better in life because because they were able to control the things they could control as themselves. Those that couldn't, they didn't do as well. Because here's the thing: we cannot be in control of ourselves or our lives unless we learn to defer gratification. Control freaks want it done right right now, instead of saying, you know what. If I just pause, maybe this will work itself out. Maybe somebody will learn a lesson in this. Maybe we'll get better through this. Instead of forcing our ways, we learn to defer gratification. We learn to say, I'm going to push this away from me a little bit and, and, not, and not freak out. Um, and here's the thing. The sooner we can identify why we're feeling those things, the sooner we can overcome those things. Like when you start getting really angry and irritable and frustrated, if you just ask yourself, why am I really feeling this way? Like why, why am I so anxious about this? You'll begin to actually fix the problem. Because what tends to happen when we don't ask that question, we begin to make this list in our head of all these things that need to be done and, and this time frame and all this stuff. Like we're overwhelmed with all these ideas, which in reality, if we wrote it down, it would be like three or four things. Uh, but in our mind, it's like 100 things, and we get overwhelmed and anxious. And so um, um, we, we can't identify what we're feeling, and so we get frustrated and we carry this anxious as we try to control things. Or if we can say, why am I feeling this? What's going on here? What's really going on here? We'll take a second to breathe, think about it. We can actually be in a, to, to adjust what we're doing in life to make better choices. William Inch, he's a, a playwriter. He said it like this, anxiety is the interest paid on the trouble before it's due. It's like you're making this payment for something that's not even due yet, and it might not ever be due. But you're so worried about it, so worked up about it, that you're spending all this energy into something that's not even a big thing, possibly. It's feeling of being out of control. So if anxiety is is what fuels control and wanting to control others. If that's what's fueling this, what's the solution? Well, the solution is this. God is he's more concerned um, with who we're becoming, not just what we do. It's the reason we're called human beings, not human doings. That's a big, a big deal, right? We get focused on the doing all the time, but really we're supposed to be, be becoming something or someone. In fact, throughout the Bible, uh, story after story, God is wanting to, to strip away from people control in their lives. Not because he doesn't love us, but because he wants us to understand that there's a better path and a better way than just our own way. So he asked Abraham, would you step out of the known land into an unknown place? Well, that's, that's kind of freaky for somebody that's a control freak. You don't know where you're going. You know what's going to happen when you get there. Um, and he leads them on this journey to try to say, just trust me. It's a relationship. Adam and Eve, he's saying, just trust me in this. Trust is key. He's saying, I want, I want to lead you on this. But what happens a lot of times we're so concerned with the doing and getting things right now that we don't do the right things and we don't focus on the being. We take shortcuts and we want to take shortcuts. Controlling people, controlling all the things around us, that's a shortcut to try to make things better right now. Where the reality is, if we would just let the journey go and, and trust God in this journey, we'll get to this place um, where we understand that God was trying to produce something in us. He was wanting us to become someone specifically. And if you take a shortcut, you might get to the place you wanted to, but you're going to get there and realize that you're not the person that you're supposed to be yet. And we'll get people who are in these places of influence, of leadership, of business, and, and they got there because of shortcuts, and they're not able to maintain it, and their whole world crashes. Why? Because they took a shortcut. They didn't allow the process of them becoming that person that God wants. And a lot of times it's a deep person, somebody that can feel wealth, that can, that can communicate those things that that's going on. We all want the shortcuts. I just want to get there. I just want the million dollars. I just want the car. I want whatever it is. And we missed that process. Adam and Eve, they tried to take a shortcut that actually led them away from the very thing that God had for them. Away from the, uh, the, the person that he wanted to become. 
It can, it'll cost more. It'll take longer a lot of times um, to become that person because you miss the true meaning of the journey, the true lessons that, you're trying, that God is trying to lead us to. And this is one of the reasons in, in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 5. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So he goes through all these, blessed, another word for blessed is happy is the person who is meek because he'll inherit the earth. Uh, when we hear meek, we don't really use that word. It kind of sounds like weak, right? Weakness. Well, it's the, op- the opposite of weakness, actually. Meekness in the Greek, it means this. It means uh, strength under control. It's the idea of this wild stallion, okay, this, this horse that's beautiful, that's crazy, that's, that's powerful, that's been tamed so you can ride him. That's meekness. It's this, this horse that's been under control, been controlled to be able to be used for a good purpose. That's meekness. Not weakness, not helplessness. It's saying, I, even though I can try to control things, I'm going to trust God to do what he wants to do. They will inherit the earth. I like the message. It says it like this. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more and no less. You're saying, God, I'm not going to try to control this all. I'm just going to trust you. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. I like that. That's a good invitation. What are those things that can't be bought? Peace. That's a big deal. When you can just trust God. You know, uh, there, there's a prayer that was made, made famous by AA. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Serenity Prayer. It's written in the 1800s by this pastor. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of um, morphed a little bit throughout the century. Um, but it's a great prayer. It says, it, like, it says this. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. When you can be under, begin to understand that there are things you can't control, and if you spend your whole life trying to control them, you're going to wake up with a lot of regret, and you're going to be anxious all the time. But if you can understand that there are some things I can't change, and I have to just trust that, God, you're going to work these out, then I'm going to follow you on this. And, and there's a lot of resources. I'm not saying be lazy and don't ever think about anything. There's resources that will help you through this. Um, the book I mentioned, The Control Freak, if you are a control freak, it'll help you understand your tendencies. If you work for a control freak, it'll help you learn how to have tools to be able to work with people that are like that, to be able to, to help people around us. Um, but here, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's about us figuring out how to be happy in life. That's a big part of this. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to succeed. Um, and here's the thing. I don't think happiness is a one-size-fit-all. Happiness for me is not going to be the same happiness for you. Because we're on different, we're on different journeys. Um, in my life, happiness or fulfillment is going to look a lot different. Because the journey God's taking me on is he's developing something different in me than he's trying to develop in you. And only God knows what that looks like. And he'll let us go through things to help develop that in our lives if we'll just trust him and not freak out and try to grab the will from him and say, I'm going to do it my own way. Hurry, let's go take a picture of the burning building as fast as we can. Right? And we get in the air and realize we're not where we're supposed to be. It's a unique journey for all of you. It's about doing hard things today. This series is really about doing hard things. How can you identify these issues and face them? Um, and, and this is what Dr. Les Perot in his book said. He said, when it comes to controlling people, and this is very important to, to get, at the root of controlling behavior is, not an, att- is an attempt to tame our anxiety, not to dominate another person. I thought that was great. And I realized when people are controlling, it's not because they're trying to dominate me. They're trying to get their anxiety under control. If we trust God, we trust Jesus, he's trying to teach us this. This is how you get your anxiety under control. You put it in my hands. You let me lead. You trust me on this journey, even when it's difficult. At the root of it, it's trying to tame our anxiety, not to try to uh, 
control others. Um, it, but it's so tempting to try to control because it's a quick fix, right? It's that, that quick, like, all right, things are better now. No, they're not better. You just kind of forced your way, and now other people are mad, and there's going to be more things. So here's the true root of happiness. The, root, the word is submission in the Bible. Submission is the true root of happiness, not control. We think control, Adam and Eve thought control was the true root of that, but really submission is the true root of happiness. It's us being able to say, God, I trust you to lead me on this journey. Abraham, he asked him to leave. Faith is like a muscle. He's saying, Abraham, you have to trust me. I'm going to give you these tests. I'm going to put you on this, this path. And every part of the way, just trust me because your faith's going to grow. You're going to get stronger. Don't try to jerk it away from me. Just Even when the unexpected happens, just trust me. Things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. Herb Kelleher, CEO of Southwest, about leadership, he said it like this. I have always believed that the best leader is the best server. And if you're a servant, by definition, you're not controlling. What God is inviting us is to say, God, I want to serve you. I want to follow your lead. Help me to be that person. So we're all control freaks. And I've used this word every single week, but he is peace. He's peace. Why is he peace? Because he's in control. When you're in control, like if you don't have to worry about things, you're at peace. Like When you give it to him, he's the one in control. You have peace because you're trusting him to lead the way. Peace. It's his wholeness. It's his health. It's, it's all this good stuff that God has for us. So I talked about the frustration gap. If our reality is here, I mean, if our expectation is here and our reality is here, we're going to be really frustrated in life, right? In our marriage, in our work, whatever it is. If you're expecting this, this is what's happening, you're frustrated. Well, let me tell you about the happiness gap. This is even better, right? If your expectation is here and the reality is up here, that is now your happiness gap. Right? You go to a restaurant and you eat a, a plate and you think it's going to be like here, the steak, and it's like, man, that was awesome. Right? You go to a movie, you, you, whatever. You get home and your husband washed the dishes and your expectation was, I have to wash dishes tonight. Your husband beats you to it. You're like, that is awesome. This is the gap God wants us to live in consistently. Um, here's the challenge, though. Our expectations sometimes are flawed. We always think in terms of us and selfishness. When we let God lead, he will actually teach us to have the right expectations in life. I'll give you an example. This is not the best example, but it's an example. Um, I play soccer, indoor soccer, um, on, on evenings. Evenings. Um, anyway, I play on an indoor soccer team. We probably lose more games than we win. Um, so my expectation is, for me, an expectation is I get to play soccer. I can walk. I can run. I can, you know, I'm not dying on the floor. I'm, I'm in decent shape. I scored a couple of goals. Like, man, that is a great day. Well, some of my teammates, their expectation is we have to win every single game and dominate, right? And so... Their expectation reality, they have a lot of frustration. My expectation and the reality is I get to play, I have a lot of happiness. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm living the dream when I play soccer. And even when I lose, I'm like, it was, I got to play soccer tonight. It was a Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, and I played soccer on a Tuesday night. That is great. Uh, win or lose. It's learning to live in that, that gap of saying, God, I, I trust you for more in my life. So what are those expectations that we've set that maybe aren't realistic or aren't healthy? And sometimes expectations we set are actually goals way out here. And our expectations should actually be leading us to that place, not all of a sudden getting there, right? So you don't have a house yet. Maybe that's your expectation, your goal. Well, start saving some money, right, throughout a few years, and eventually you'll get there and get the right um, expectation. Man, that'll be a good teaching one day. We'll go deeper into that. But let's learn to live in this, this happiness gap, the wow factor, the better than life that God invites us into. I promise. Um, if you just trust him, he will always, he says in his word, I want to do immeasurably more than you ever thought or hoped, or, hoped for. Like it's better than you ever thought possible. So here's our challenge today as we wrap up today's message. Learn to trust God more. You want to take care of your anxiety? 
learn to trust God more because faith is a muscle and it only grows when it's exercised, which means God's going to say, trust me in this, back off, slow down. And you begin to grow your faith and you begin to get stronger. I taught this a while back, but palms down, palms up is a great physical way to demonstrate this, right? So we're holding on to this anxiety, like what about tomorrow? What if, what if, what if, what's going to happen? It's saying, God, today I'm going to just let go of my anxiety. Maybe in your, your, your chairs right now, do that. Just grab that stuff in your hand, whatever you're holding on to. You've been anxious about it. You know what it is. And today you would just say, God, man, I release that anxiety to you. I, I release that worry, that fear, that stress. And you turn your palms over and you say, God, today, now, would you fill me with and the ability to carry this, the ability to do what you want me to do? Every single day, the Bible calls it surrender. Saying, God, I let go of this. I'm not in control, but you are. Lead me. Guide me. Palms down, I release. Palms up, I receive. Uh, so that's our challenge. Learn to trust God more this week. Give it to him. When you get anxious, this happens to me a lot. I read the book. I didn't, realize that, I didn't realize how anxious I got about certain things until I began to pay attention like, oh, man, why am I getting so anxious for this? Because I didn't have control. And I, instead of trying to force control, I said, God, help me in the, this process. Lead me in this time. Um, if you're here today and you're maybe new to church, you're not, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, or you, you maybe you used to be and you walked away and you've come back, can I tell you today, God wants to invite you into this happiness gap. He wants to invite you into this, this better than life if you'll just learn to trust him. I'm going to read a, story, a scripture that I think will help you understand what God is trying to do in our lives as people. Um, this is especially for those that aren't Christians and you're just, maybe you're here and want, you're looking for answers. Uh, this is what Romans 8, 5 says, 8 through 8, 5 through 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. Some of you need life and peace today. He goes on to say this, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. The human nature, that part of us, the sinful nature, it, it's hostile to God because it wants our own way. It wants control. It never obeyed God. We have to choose it for ourselves. It won't choose it. We won't choose it by, by, by your own nature. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So here's my challenge for you today. If you're here and you have anxiety, you've been, maybe you know there's a gap between you and God, there's a gap between you and people, the first step is to say, God, I, I relinquish control in my life. I trust you. I turn it over to you today. Help me. That's the first step. The Bible says that when we acknowledge that we are, don't have it all together, that we've sinned, that we've messed up, that he hears our prayer, he forgives us. And we get invited into his family. My, my prayer for you is life and peace and joy, and hope, in life. But it's only found in Jesus Christ. Would you all close your, heads, uh, close your eyes and bow your heads today? If you're here today, and you would like me to lead you in that prayer to start this journey of saying, God, I want to trust you with my life. I want you to lead. If you're here today, would you raise your hand? I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I see a hand. I see those hands. Awesome. Anybody else? You have the opposite of what, what that, that scripture has talked about. You don't have peace. You're at odds with God. It even says you're an enemy of God. Today, he wants you to be your friend. He wants to invite you into that relationship. Anybody else? I'm going to opportunity. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in prayer. Awesome. I see your hands. Thank you. Awesome. Tons of hands went up today. That makes me so happy to know that we are just accepting and saying, God, we, we need your help.
So you that raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer, just an imitation of relationship, saying, God, I want to follow your lead. If you're a Christ follower in this room, would you join me in praying with them? They're not praying alone. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I'm a sinner. I've broken your law and your ways. Forgive me. Help me to trust you. I give you control. I ask you to lead me. I believe you died on that cross for me. And you're alive today. Would you be my God? Would you be my friend? I surrender today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.